Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Overtime on 106.7. The fan Craig Hoffman with you tonight. And joining me now on the BetQL guest line is actually a DMV native. She used to cover the Atlanta Falcons, uh, actually for the Falcons like team website, and then decided to take a leap up to Cincinnati in the offseason, where she writes now covering the Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer. And Kelsey Conway, that seems to have worked out for you quite all right. How are you doing uh, the morning after you watch the team that you now cover make the Super Bowl? I know. As the new person on the beat here, the beat reporters here in Cincinnati kindly tell me all the time just how lucky I am. Because if you look at just the fact that, like, since Zach Taylor took over in 2019, they won four games last year. They had won six games in his first two years. And in his third season, they're playing for the Super Bowl. It's just like, I missed a lot of bad football. So um, it's been <laughs> great. Um, the Bengals are an awesome team to cover. They have a great locker room of players that are, um, you know, very, very kind, tell good stories. And um, they're just a fun team to cover. And um, I, I pick against them every week and they somehow win. So it's, it's been a blast. Uh, I know that feeling uh, of of picking against a team every week. Uh, unfortunately, when I was on the beat here, uh, there there was only one playoff appearance. Nevertheless, any Super Bowl appearances. But I, I do think that there's something to be said, specifically like for a DMV audience, which, as you very well know, as a native, like uh, the the Bengals were one of the teams for a long time that you put on kind of that Washington level of ineptitude. That it's a franchise yeah. that has struggled for so so many years, and it just seems like obviously starting with Joe Burrow, but the, the guys in general that they've brought in have helped change the culture there. What, what do you identify as like the main links in the new Cincinnati Bengals culture that has helped get them to a Super Bowl? I think they built, and I can speak to it from like a, there's two players that really kind of can explain what's going on with the Bengals. On offense, Tyler Boyd. Um, obviously, you've covered the league. Like, you know how good Tyler Boyd is. Like, people that actually know football, he doesn't have the, like, flashy stats, but he's probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. And people that know football know how good and valuable Tyler Boyd is. Think about it from his perspective. He started with the Bengals in 2016. Zach Taylor's first, first draft, they decide to basically revamp this whole team. They then take Joe Burrow, and then they take T. Higgins in the second round. And imagine being a veteran um, with a new coach, you know, kind of wondering, like, is my time going to be up here now? They just drafted T. Higgins in the second round. But Tyler Boyd's, like, the most selfless, um, great teammate that, you know, they glow about him. He's a team captain. Um, He's, like, everything that they want. And then the year later, they take Jamar Chase in the first round. So Tyler Boyd has now seen his team take two receivers in the t- in back-to-back years in the first or second round. And and not only does he totally, like, welcome and bring Jamar Chase and T. Higgins along, like, he's totally helped them 
learn things that, you know, Tyler Boyd talks about. He was a healthy scratch his first season for multiple games. And he's really helped them kind of learn how to be able to be effective right away. Um, it took Boyd a little bit. But he, I think, explains just kind of why this team is doing what they're doing is because they're just a very selfless team that likes, they all like each other. And it's, when I covered the Falcons, the locker room that Dan Quinn created was a big reason why they were so successful and then on defense they revamped their entire defense this offseason and free agency and the free agents that they signed Trey Hendrickson, Chinome Rousier and Mike Hilton are three of the same type of guys. Mike Hilton was an undrafted free agent who felt like the Steelers kind of did him wrong by letting him walk. Trey Hendrickson felt the same way. He's a blue collar guy who is all about football all the time. And Cheeto's similar to Hill. I think he's been overlooked his whole career. And the point I'm trying to make is like all of the Bengals, the starters, all they want to do is win. They don't care about like narratives. They don't care about individual stats. And all they care about is winning. And I think that's what kind of makes them, in addition to, if you're trying to put it in Washington's perspective, you've got to nail the quarterback position. But if you've got, to, you've got some pieces around him and they're made of the right stuff, this thing can turn around really quick. That's certainly, of course, what Washington football fans are hoping for this offseason. And when you talk about team building, though, I think one of the most fascinating things about the Bengals is their offensive line is uh, it's not great. And, and, you know, so often we yeah. hear that you should build from the trenches. I do think they're a little underrated in that they clearly can run block decently well. And that's that's half the game, um, you know, they, mm-hmm. but it, clearly in pass protection, Burrow's been running for his life for a lot of the playoffs. But they, they clearly invested in other parts of the team. Uh, what was kind of the is some of those picks obviously as we established you weren't there for all of it but like even this past draft when they take Jamar Chase in the top five already having Higgins already having Boyd having you know already invested in the quarterback having Joe Mixon as a skill position guy like they continued to invest in the skill position so what was the kind of the feedback then and and what does Zach Taylor in the front office say about that strategy in team building that is again banded the Bengals in the Super Bowl I think that they just viewed the Jamar Chase situation as like, you have a young quarterback who his best receiver in college is available to you. And Zach's an offensive-minded coach. He was a quarterback. If there's anybody who understands what having that like security blanket comfort guy in your offense can do from you from like a confidence standpoint, it's Zach. And, and the whole Bengals front office like Duke Tobin was a quarterback Mike Brown was a quarterback they like get the offensive perspective here and I think when you look at it like skill players versus trenches like they viewed Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell as he was graded higher and they thought he could completely change their offense and he's everything they they needed and more and I think they thought when they signed Riley Reese in free agency to secure that right tackle spot. Um, they were hoping Jonah Williams to take a big step in his sec- in his um, third season. They still got a lot to figure out on the interior because you watched the game yesterday. The right guard situation has been a revolving door all game long, but they're just making it work up front. And it's, uh, it's um, credit to the Bengals also changed out their offensive line coach this offseason. And it's Frank Pollock who has ties to – the Callahan family, who I know you know all about the history of the Callahans. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of comfort and familiarity with the scheme, and it just seemed to be like the exact right fit for what the Bengals needed. 
Yeah, Bill Callahan and I have some history. We don't need to get into all that. Now, uh, he wasn't he wasn't my favorite person to cover, and I don't think he particularly enjoyed me, but we kept it professional, so that's <laughs> that's just fine. Kelsey Conway is with us on the BetQL guest line. Kelsey, the Cincinnati Bengals beat reporter for the Inquirer. Um, I would love to know a little bit more about Zach Taylor because he was kind of the breaking point in the, oh my God, if you know Sean McVay, I guess you get a head coaching job joke series. You know, a couple guys got jobs, but they, they had maybe had some success elsewhere. All of a sudden, Zach Taylor gets hired from Cincinnati, and everyone's like, oh, ho, ho. I guess if you just, t- you know, if you're in a room with Sean McVay, you get a head coaching job. And a couple years later, he's going to face Sean McVay in the Super Bowl. So, what is it that makes Zach Taylor special, and how has he been able to lead this team? I think what makes Zach Taylor a really good coach is, and I've been able to see it from training camp to now, he is as steady as they come. And I think when you are navigating an NFL season, that can't be understated of how important that is. He doesn't ride emotional roller coasters in terms of, I mean, I was covering the Bengals when they lost to the Jets early on in the season. And you're wondering, how did they lose to the Jets? Like, who are the Bengals? And no matter if they went on a two-game losing skid, he is a, he's a very soft-spoken guy. Like, he's, I've never once seen him yell at a player or coach a player, like, really, really tough, tough. Um, that's not to say he's not like that behind closed doors but I've covered every practice he's as calm and collected as they come and it makes a lot of sense because I think between him and Burrow with them both being the same way where they like literally don't get rattled and I think it's because they're both quarterbacks uh, it's just been everything that this team has needed and um, he's a young coach he relates well to the players and he's made a conscious effort to make sure that every player they sign is is similar to just wanting to be all about football. And I think that's kind of like what I'd say most about Zach Taylor is no matter what the situation is, if it's media practice or whatever, Zach Taylor is the same all the time. And it's honestly refreshing from like a media standpoint, because if something doesn't go right, like you don't have to worry about Zach being, you know, hasty with the media. He's like calm, cool, collected all the time. And I think his players really respect him for it. Last thing for you, um, we've all been to Super Bowl weeks before, those of us who, who are around NFL media, um, and in your and I case, uh, when we've been previously, you, you wind up getting together with, you know, we got together with each other, or the other friends, it's like, hey, look, everybody from the NFL, you have to work these next couple weeks, so what's your expectation as someone who now is going to actually have to pay attention to those press releases, that like, oh, uh, Team A is going to have press conference here that most of the time you just delete because you're hanging out on Radio Row or meeting friends or whatever. Like, what's what's the Kelsey Conway beat reporter game plan for actually covering the Super Bowl when the team you cover is in it? Well, I think the game plan is going to be a little different because of COVID. So um, <laughs> right, players, they're not going to be doing media in person like they were a couple of years ago. So that that makes things interesting. It also makes things more challenging because in, in a normal world, you'd be able to go up and kind of ask players things in person and it makes it easier See, if i'm gonna have to get work extra hard to find out like you know when people are talking and etc um but there are a lot of really cool storylines for this game that i think people know like zach taylor was the assistant wide receivers coach before he was quarterback's coach so he coached cooper cup um mm-hmm. andrew whitworth spent his whole career with the Bengals before going to the rams and now i mean who knows if how long Whitworth would play, but like, what if this ends up being Whitworth's last game? Is it is his old team versus his new team? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the Sean McVay, Zach Taylor um, 
but there's just like a lot of really good, cool, like undercover stories that I'm really looking forward to telling. Um, everyone's going to talk about how the Bengals stop Aaron Donald. And I can't wait to figure, try and figure that one out. But um, as far as just like my week, I think it's going to be a lot of those type of stories and just trying to, you know, bring as many good stories as I can to the Inquirer this week because I, I think, like, what I've learned is Bengals fans are really into their team, which is really cool. They really care, and I'm looking forward to bringing them coverage, being there, and um, getting access to some of these guys. So that's my plan. And and you get to go to Los Angeles, and it's a lot warmer in Los Angeles than it is in Cincinnati. I cannot wait. It's been pretty <laughs> frigid in Cincinnati recently. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Uh, Kelsey, this was Fantastic. So glad that you're getting this opportunity. Um, nice year for you to pick the Bengals. Uh, best of luck uh, out in L.A., and, and hopefully we'll talk again here soon. Absolutely. Kelsey Conway on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Like today, right now. Go do it. It's, a, it's an order. Demand. A request? I'll ask nicely please. All right. When we get back here on 106.7, the fan Craig hopping with you for overtime tonight. We have a couple of weeks where if a veteran quarterback is going to move, we're in the window. A la Alex Smith a couple of years ago, perhaps flashbacks coming back to you. It was Super Bowl week. So of the big, we'll call it five quarterbacks that are on the board. Which ones do I like for Washington? And what's the ultimate path I think they should take? That's next. Craig Hoffman with you on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Craig Hoffman with you on 106.7 The Fan, thefandc.com, the Odyssey app. Uh, So... A little update real quick on the quarterback situation in the NFL, a.k.a. what's Tom Brady up to today. Uh, to clean up where we were a little bit earlier in the show, piecing it together, he was doing a weekly interview hit he has on SiriusXM. 
Uh, and now he's finished with that interview hit. And basically the news is there is no news. He said he's taking it day by day. He hasn't made up his mind yet. And when the time is right, he'll know and he'll let everybody else know. So uh, who knows what, you know, maybe maybe something was happening over the weekend where they were preparing for it. And Schefter and Darlington got word on that. I will say Schefter's had some, ha- Schef- Adam Schefter's had a weird year. Uh, Jeff Darlington's a good reporter. Um so who knows what happened over the weekend, but uh, Tom Brady's still up in the air. Obviously, he does know the timeline, as he said. He knows the timeline of NFL franchises and the kind of decisions they have to make. And so he's going to let the Bucks know uh, sooner rather than later. But as of now, he has not made up his mind. Speaking of timelines, speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of football teams getting, or needing to figure it out, the Washington football team will head to... Uh, their scouting department will head down to Mobile this week for the Senior Bowl and take a look at some some of the quarterbacks down there. And that will help inform their decision of whether or not they are going to try to sit tight until the draft, take one in round one, or whether they try to move heaven and earth, aka a whole bunch of draft picks, for one of the big five quarterbacks that are out on the market. Now, I say big five, which is going to upset some people because clearly we're talking in tears here. Clearly, we are not putting Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, and Deshaun Watson all in the same category. In fact, they all kind of go in different categories because they all have something that separates them from everything else. If we're just ranking, ranking them on the field, who you want next year, it probably goes Rodgers, Watson, Wilson, Carr, Garoppolo. If we're taking some of or like off the field stuff into the equation, Watson's off the list. I'm actually that's that's where I'm ending the Deshaun Watson discussion. Unless he is completely cleared of all charges, that some giant conspiracy comes out to to be true. Deshaun Watson should never play again in the NFL. It's a privilege he does not deserve. His attention is is all the stuff he does not deserve because what he's done what he is alleged to have done is heinous and women don't make accusations like that up. So, and especially in the kind of numbers like, okay, uh, one woman got one of his money. Like one, again, that doesn't happen Two, 22 times over. Get out of here. Deshaun Watson off the list. See ya. Good riddance. Hope he has, you know, I guess there's no criminal charges, but that's also a yet. Uh, so that leaves Rogers, Wilson, Garoppolo, Carr. Actually, I know this sounds a little crazy, but I'm actually not that interested in Rogers. And I know that my I will I will admit, and some some people I think if you follow me on Twitter, et cetera, would, would know this. My opinion on Aaron Rodgers, the person, has changed dramatically over the last years. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has exposed himself as not an intellectual, thoughtful human being, but someone who uh, likes to ask questions. Uh, to questions that have grave consequences and uh, answers that exist from experts who can save lives, a.k.a. he's a COVID misinformation freak, and it's really unfortunate because for someone who has been thoughtful and smart on a lot of issues and clearly spent some time thinking, you'd hope that that thinking leads to somewhere that isn't dumb. Um, But beyond that, Beyond that stuff, if I if I put my own personal opinion of Rodgers and the kind of damage that he does with the kind of things that he says aside, he's also older 
And even though he played at an MVP level this year, he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that's going to play for another five. He does have other interests. He is someone who now seems to be a little less focused on football. Um, he's doing the the weekly hit with McAfee. I know he's done stuff like that before with like Dan Levitard, but like he seems to have his eyes in some other places, which I don't begrudge any athlete for looking at the end of their career or even the middle. Like Draymond Green's got a, a long time to continue to play. Just sign with TNT. That's great. I think it's awesome. Um, but if I'm trying to plan my franchise future, sure. Could you? Does he give you the best chance to win the Super Bowl next year? Probably, but for a franchise that's looking for stability, that hasn't had it in forever, I don't know that Rodgers is the guy. Which leads you to the next best option, Russell Wilson. The positives of Russell Wilson are he's great. He is great. Very good on schedule. All-time great off schedule. Um he is from the area, so there's some local ties and nostalgia and from the area loosely. He's from the Virginia Beach area. But DMV, sure. Um, if you want to extend that that V to include all of Virginia. And you know, he, he seems like the kind of guy who would get along well with someone like Rivera. They're, they they seem to have very similar philosophies. And I would be very curious to see what Scott like I don't I think the Turner Wilson fit is is not a bad one um and what they want to do and you know some quick games some you know the ability to get the ball out quickly on screens and things like that but also big down the field throws um you know run around be off schedule a little bit uh, the ability at God I would hope if he was here that they'd run him a little bit uh, some of the read option stuff that they just for whatever reason refuse to do with Heineke but like that's the kind of situation where you go, okay, you give up a couple first rounders and with the weapons they have, as long as they keep everybody healthy, looking at you, Curtis Samuel, then that's a that's a potential win now. And he's in his early 30s. He's got four to five years left, you would think. Hopefully at a very high level. Then you've got Carr and Garoppolo. They cost you less for a reason. I think Carr's really good. I think Garoppolo's an upgrade on what they had, but ultimately fine. I don't know that I'd give up a top 15. Like, I I might give up a late 20s if I'm, that's all I'm giving up, a straight one for Garoppolo. But where Washington's picking, I'd rather take a flyer on, on Kenny Pickett. I'd rather take a flyer on some of these other guys. I don't have enough knowledge at this point in the process to have strong opinions on which one. But... I kind of think Washington's in this weird sweet spot with this draft. Maybe I'm talking myself into way, just way too much optimism. But I'm kind of at the point with this draft class, where Washington sits, how we think this draft is going to go, the flaws of the other options available, and the price it's going to cost to get them, to just stay put and take the best quarterback on the board. Yeah, it might push you back a year, but this team is relatively young. And they can grow together. And you could certainly compete for a Super Bowl if the quarterback is a good one on that quarterback's rookie contract. There's no veterans. that you're, This is not like the Rams trying to go all in for the end of Aaron Donald's career, at least the, at the end of his prime. You're not trying to do that based off of that timeline. And now Matthew Stafford's timeline. You're not looking at a bunch of dudes who are 30. The core of this team is 25 and under. So as good as you think they might be, 
because you've invested in some really smart places, yeah, you should make the playoffs next year or at least look, you know, compete for them. But to mortgage the future when the future could be right in front of you seems like a silly thing to do. And so we'll, we'll see, you know, this, this draft situation could change. All of a sudden teams could start falling in love with these quarterbacks. And at 11, you're looking at the fourth best quarterback off the board. And that, that's a, that's a changing, you know, that that's a change in the equation. But right now where it looks like QB one in this draft could go 11 to Washington. I think I'd probably just stay put. Jonathan Tannenwald covers the world of soccer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Big time game coming up Wednesday night for the U.S. Men's National Team in their World Cup qualifying quest to get back in the World Cup. Follows a big loss yesterday to Canada. Jonathan will help us make sense of it all next here on 106.7 The Fan. Overtime on 106.7. The fan Craig Hoffman with you tonight. And it is my pleasure now to bring in on the BetQL guest line, Jonathan Tannenwald of the Philadelphia Inquirer, a man who, while working in Philadelphia, uh, hails from the D.C. area. It's a homecoming kind of show. Jonathan, welcome welcome to your radio home. Hey, man. I grew up in Friendship Heights, listened to Nats and Capitals games on the radio for years and years and years. And uh, it's great to be on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to start with, uh, you know, I say you cover all things soccer for the Inquirer. I do mean all things. We'll get to some of the NWSL CBA negotiations in a bit, but start with a game that I think a lot of people were watching yesterday, you know, alongside the AFC championship game, which was the U S men's, uh, qualifier world cup qualifier against Canada. They lose to nothing. And, and what I'm, I'm curious from your expertise, your expert chair, uh, to know is like, what does this mean for the standings? It, element and what does it mean once you inject the analysis of how they actually played yesterday against Canada? Well, for the standings, it actually doesn't mean all that much, believe it or not. Um, because the U.S. and Canada were really far enough ahead of the field that they were all right. And, uh, you know, of course, we were all saying that going into the game, and they immediately go out and just drop a clunker and look real and look Pretty bad in a lot of ways. You know, the midfield was good. They had a lot of possession, but they got beat. And Greg Berhalter, the U.S. coach, goes out there after the game and says, I've rarely ever seen us play a game that good and lose like that. And I'm like, doesn't matter how well you played. You got beat. And, you know, really never looked threatening to score except for one or two opportunities. And that was a big problem. Because they, they scored 10 goals in, in, sorry, they scored 13 goals in World Cup qualifying so far this thing. 10 games they played. 13 goals, only three of them have come from true strikers, forwards. You know, it's a problem. And they got to fix it and not playing Ricardo Pepe and not calling in Jordan Peefock and just sort of saying you're good with what you got is not going to fix it. There may not be a player who immediately sparks more outrage when he appears in a U.S. men's national team camp. Nevertheless, when he appears in the lineup, than Giassi Zardes. And to see him start yesterday in that spot when Ricardo Pepe is A, available, and B, did not play in the previous match, so thus was fresh, uh, certainly got some ire before the game. What was your opinion on it, and, and how did that ultimately, through your eyes, play out? Yeah, I got some ire after the game, too. To <laughs> um I would have started him. A lot of other people would have started him. And 
you know, at a certain point, you're Greg Berhalter. You got to live with the consequences of your actions, and that that was a consequence. And you know, I they're going to be fine in the end. I think I don't know anybody who thinks they're not going to qualify for the World Cup. They got two home games left. If they win them both, they're they're in. Almost, I can't see any way they're not in if they don't win both those home games. You know, people are still scarred from not qualifying for Russia 2018. And until they qualify for a World Cup again, people are going to be scarred. And every time something goes off the rails, it gets whipped up into a total frenzy. Sometimes it goes over the top, but this is one where some of it's merited because they just were not creating enough chances to score, and it's a problem. And they got to fix it. And it's especially, I would say, concerning considering the amount of, especially young, attacking talent this unit has from the Christian Pulisic to Serginho Dest, even though he, you know, he's playing outside and technically a, a back. Like he, get, he gets forward a lot. Um, you have Weston McKinney. You have, although he didn't play over the weekend, Claudio Reyna is, is fantastic. Or sorry, Gio Reyna is, is fantastic. Is it a matter of just getting all these guys on the field at once, or is there something inherent in the way Berhalter's style is being imposed on these players that it is not maximizing talent that is available? Well, Rain is hurt. That doesn't help. He's out. He's going to be probably back in March, the March games. You know, is a very sort of tactical, philosophical guy. He figures that if if you sort of array the chess pieces out properly, it'll take care of itself. And that's all well and good. And in some ways it's true. You, you it make the case pretty easily, and I have, that the games that they will play in the World Cup stylistically will be easier than these qualifying games, even though the teams they play in the World Cup are obviously better. Because... A lot of the teams they play in qualifying just sit back and bunker defensively and make the U.S. try to beat them and just play to frustrate. So, you know, as I said, I think the U.S. is going to be fine. I think they're going to qualify for the World Cup, and it won't be much of a problem in the end. But people are frustrated right now, and I get why. Definitely. Uh, Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer, their soccer writer, is with us here on 106.7 The Fan. He and all of tonight's guests on the BetQL guest line. Um, next game for uh, the U.S., by the way, is Wednesday night against Honduras. So make sure you're reading up on Jonathan's coverage of all that. Switching gears uh, real quickly before we let you go. Uh, the NWSL, it is as we sit here uh, talking now, it is January 31st. Their preseason is supposed to start tomorrow. Of course, the hometown Washington Spirit, your defending champions. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, but... Not, not so much joy in the fact that there still is no collective bargaining agreement. Do you ultimately think anything is going to get done, or are we going to look at empty training camps tomorrow and, and either a lockout or a, a player strike? Well, that's a heck of a question. And there was just a little bit of news coming out in the last few minutes, you know, that there's been some progress on agreeing on things. I don't know what's ultimately going to happen, whether they're going to go on strike tomorrow or whether they're going to say we've made enough progress that we're willing to report for now or what. But I think we've seen more than enough over the last year and a half to know that this league can stand on its own two feet now. 
it's time to pay the players what they're worth. It's time to give them the benefits that this league has the money to pay them. And just if there's, it's happened with MLS a lot over the years too. You know, if there's, if there's owners who can't keep up to treat the players right in terms of the amount of money it takes, then you might need a few new ones up. And heaven knows, man, you all have seen that in Washington better than a whole lot of places, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that I had a, a fairly uh, distinctive seat in that uh, in that arrangement. Um, I will ask this on, on the way out. Last question on this topic. Um, how different is this negotiation, given all of the stories of the last year, especially, and it's really it's, it's stories that have played out over a decade that have come out in the last year. Um, and how does that make this negotiation different than say those MLS negotiations, which were much more, I would say financially, uh, like the, the finances were more centralized than some of the other larger issues. And especially when we're talking, let's be frank about, uh, a, a sport mainly run, uh, up until now by men that has abused women. Well, and, and you, you answered it in a way and I, I, you know, it's not that I, not that I want to answer it this way because I don't, because it's not very polite. But I think you and I both agree. In MLS, a lot of it was about how much money the owners have, and whether they're willing to properly pay the players on it. There weren't coaches sexually abusing players in MLS the way we're talking about right now. It's a terrible thing to say, you know, but. That's the reality of the situation. It's true. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing to say. And I'm glad that a lot of these men are getting run out of the league. And hopefully in time they all get run out of the league. Well, they're not there yet, unfortunately. But ideally we're going to see more progress here. And it's going to keep coming. And if we do, I think we'll all know and it'll be pretty clear. Yeah, hopefully we get uh, get some clarity soon. Hopefully we get a, we get a season and get to see uh, these women out there balling as soon as we can. Uh, following it all on Twitter, if you'd like to, at the goalkeeper, that's where you find Jonathan Tannenwald does a fantastic job covering uh, not only the things that we talked about, but covering MLS. And there's a ton of movement that we didn't even get into in that league, uh, including some some big players for DC United going in and out that Jonathan's been all over. So make sure that you're following his work at the goalkeeper on Twitter and reading him. Uh, online at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Jonathan, this was great. Uh, we will certainly do it again. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, well, again, I, I hope it, your first appearance uh, on the fan was everything you dreamed about it being. Well, I'll tell you what, shout out all my friends back home. I grew up in <laughs> Northwest D.C. It, 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 it's one of those things, it's funny, you know, Philadelphia and D.C. only have so much in common. But if you tell somebody you're from Philadelphia and you're from the suburbs, you get called out. You tell somebody you're from D.C., but you're actually from Maryland or Virginia, I'm going to know. <laughs> well, hey, you're in our listening area, and that's all that matters. Sure. No, right. That's sure. Absolutely. Jonathan Tannenwald on the BetQL guest line. Thanks, Jonathan, so much uh, here on 106.7 The Fan. And actually, literally, as uh, we wrap up this interview, breaking news, we have a CBA. Literally, the, the last thing I just asked Jonathan about, 
as as he was answering the question, he said there's a little bit of news that had just broken a couple minutes ago um, about some of the stuff starting to come out. And now it's been and now it's done. Uh, statement from the NWSL Players Association tonight: uh, The Players Association ratified the first ever collective bargaining agreement in NWSL history, subject to approval by the NWSL Board of Governors. Players will report to preseason camp tomorrow with the safety, security, and protections of a collectively bargained contract that sets the NWSL on a positive trajectory for the future. Uh, this includes a 160% increase in the minimum salary with 4% a year over year increases, a stepladder increases in 2022 salaries to protect players above the minimum in 2021 401k plans with matching contribution from the league. Uh, so uh, free agency starting in 2023 for players to the minimum of six service years uh, and some other, you know, free agency stuff from there. Uh, four week severance pay, 30 days housing and health insurance for wave players, uh, robust workers' comp coverage, up to six months paid mental health leave, uh, eight weeks paid parental leave. Uh, so, a lot of really great things that the National Women's Soccer League, who has been through a lot, is uh, where is able to get in this this CBA, led by the Washington Spirits, Tori Huster, who is the president of that Players Association. So, good timing on that coming out and congrats to all involved. Uh, we're gonna have some stalker and the Washington spirit will get to defend their title, which is very cool, uh, here in the DMV. All right, when we get back, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about old Brad Beal. The wizards, they've had a rough go of it as of late. And it's made me change my mind on something with Beal, uh, where I've been pretty stuck in one place for a long time. That's next to wrap up the show. Craig Hoffman with you on the fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Greg Hoffman with you to wrap up overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Washington Wizards have had a tough go of it as of late. And for years now, I have been adamant that they should not trade Bradley Beal. The reason was pretty simple. Beal is really good. And he is the kind of player that you would be trying to acquire if you traded 
for the kind of assets you got in return for Bradley Beal. Now, Tommy Shepard's done a really good job of remaking the Wizards' salary cap situation. They have a lot more flexibility. They have a lot more tradable assets. There's a lot of stuff that you could do where, theoretically, do I think that Bradley Beal could be a key part, second best, or ideally third best player, but probably even second best player on a championship team? I do. I still think he's that good. But as he comes up on a potential Supermax extension, as he's got two years remaining on his deal, he's got the, the 33 he's making this year, plus another 36 he makes in 22-23 and becomes an unrestricted free agent as of right now uh, at the age of 30 after the 2023 season. I actually think now the time has come to move on. The Wizards are have a very interesting roster, um, and that they do have a lot of guys that are talented. They have, you know, Rui Achimura and Denny Advia and, and all these different guys that kind of play that wing position that are all kind of good, but none are exceptional. None are third best player on a championship team good. And unfortunately, the Wizards don't really have any avenues to acquire that caliber of player. So what they have is a bunch of useful players, but they're too good to acquire the kind of player that can be the best player on a title team. And I think it's pretty clear at this point that Beal, if it hasn't been clear for a couple of years, that Beal is not that good. Even at the peak of his powers last year or two years ago when he makes all NBA and or last year when he's second in the league in scoring, like he's... That like, what does that get you from a winning standpoint? Battling for the playoffs, good but not great. So the one way to get the assets that you need, if you're actually interested in building a title contender, is to trade Beal, and his value is never going to be higher than at this trade deadline, because he has a full half year left this year where let's say a team like the Lakers wants to take him on if, if they can figure out how to do that with their cap mess um, or, or whatever the team is. If, if Philadelphia wants to trade you some you know package for Beal, he could help them win a title this year. And then you have him on tap for next year as well, and then you can decide to re-sign him, but I don't think because he'd be traded he's eligible for super max because that has to be given by the team that's had you for a while, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm, if I'm having all my maxes and super maxes, gotta be so much easier if they just got rid of that thing and, and made this all so much simpler. Uh, you have all the rules, right? But either way, like it's a little bit easier for another team to be like, yeah, we can't have two super max guys on the same team. If you're say Philly and you have Joel Embiid, or if you're Denver and you don't know about Jamal Murray coming back off the ACL, like, what, what, whoever it is that you ultimately make that trade with, you're looking for hopefully a team that has not only, because like the team you're going to trade with is a team that's going to make the playoffs this year, so you're not going to get a high first-round pick. You're looking for like four or five first-round picks, and hopefully eventually one of them pays off, but can you also trade with a, a team that has one of Oklahoma City's picks, that has one of Sacramento's picks? You know, obviously Sacramento themselves is, has been... Uh, in in a lot of trade talks, can you get 
in a three-team deal with with Philly and Sacramento that sends you know Ben Simmons somewhere and Beal to Philly and picks to the Wizards like there there's ways to get this done but at the end of the day I do think you're finally looking at a scenario in Washington where I don't want to say it's undeniable that you should make that trade but it's this is the prime window. If it wasn't going to be in the offseason, if you were going to see how it was, how it was going to play out, and in some levels it's unfair to to evaluate off a half a season. We saw last year how this team came together late. But I don't think the Montrez Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal, uh, you know, version of the Washington Wizards is going to win a championship or remotely compete for one this year. So why continue it? Why hurt your value to get a couple of young guys some playoff experience? Maybe. You might still be making the playoffs without them. But like, go ahead and get that extra experience on Rui Achimura's plate and Thomas Bryant's plate and some of these guys that can be really helpful for you in the long term to establish a culture under Wes Unsell Jr., who you, I would hope, still like as a head coach, as an organization, even if fans are going nuts about him right now. Um, and with what happened against the Clippers a couple weeks ago, or a couple days ago, understandably so, um, you've got to kind of make those decisions about what the future of the franchise looks like. And when you've lost one, two, three, four, five in a row, and you got Milwaukee tomorrow and Philadelphia on Wednesday before Phoenix next week and Miami and Brooklyn in your next five. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Trade deadline's coming, and uh, the Wizards are, are heading in the wrong direction, full steam ahead, heading towards it. So after years of saying, I don't, I don't really think that trading Bill's the right move. I don't necessarily think I was wrong then, but the, the equation has changed, and the, I think it, it is that time right about now. Thanks to all of our guests for coming on the show. Donald, a fantastic job producing it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week here on Overtime, all the games as well. Uh, here on The Fan, I'm Craig Hoffman. Have yourself a lovely evening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.